to the Make an Impact podcast presented by the American Association of Suicidology. I'm Chris Cosentino, and today we're joined by former professional hockey player and current assistant coach of the Boston University women's ice hockey team, Reagan Rust. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. Thank you. So exciting to be here. We had that really good event about, what was it, a month and a half ago? A month and a half ago, yeah. I mean, well, let me, yeah. I mean, let's jump right into it. So we met at the uh, World Suicide Prevention Day benefit back in September uh, when we honored Peloton instructor Kendall Toole with the first ever Make an Impact Award. Um, She's it was amazing, a few days by the later. way. Oh, unbelievable. The whole, the whole event. Kendall was amazing. Our host, Maria Melito was amazing. The music performances from Dave Hawes and Emily Wolf, amazing. Um, we're already getting ready for the next year. So, so we're definitely going to be doing it again. Um, but it wasn't until a few days later that you opened up on your, your popular social media accounts to discuss your personal struggle with depression and suicide. Curious to know what, what prompted that post and, and ultimately your willingness to use your platform to make an impact. I've actually posted a few of those because I have another one that happened when I was at BU. So I kind of like have a couple days throughout the year where I wanted to speak up, but that was the one year anniversary. So I thought that that one, there was no better time than then to do it. And so after hearing obviously Kendall's story and like having that event, that's why I was so keen on going. I was pumped when he asked me. Um, and I wasn't necessarily sure how I was going to tell my story at that point in time. And I said a little bit of it, but there's also just so much more that goes into it. But I was, it was kind of just to commemorate like how far I've come since. So that's why I ended up posting it. Now, I guess it would be beneficial for the listeners here. Can you read the post for everyone? And then we can, we can talk about it. Of course. So I, I made my caption. I really debated posting this, but I know that I can't expect other people to be vulnerable if I'm not myself. The past year of my life has been crazy in more ways than one. One year ago today, I almost took my own life. It was the scariest moment of my life because I had never been that close before. My depression and anxiety almost got the best of me. I'm here to say that I'm, I'm so unbelievably happy that I am alive today. Lots of therapy, journaling, meditating, building genuine connections and a change of scenery helped pull me out of my dark hole. If you or anyone you know is struggling with their mental health, there are free resources in my bio. My DMs are always open to anyone that needs to chat. You are not alone. You are loved. You are enough. After you post that, I mean, you had thousands, almost 10,000 likes and comments and things like that. When you post something that personal and you receive that sort of feedback, what, what, what goes through your mind at that point? A lot of things. I was very overwhelmed with the love. It was an overwhelming amount of love. And I was very grateful for that. I think it was kind of opening for some of my family members as well, because they didn't even know that that had happened. And so all my friends and everyone that I had reached out, it just, it felt really good to know that so many people were happy that I had made it through or so many people could relate to what I had been through. And I think putting it out there, was it lifted a weight off my shoulders because it didn't really matter to me how the community perceived it. It was more so like I won't be bound to how I used to feel and I won't be bound to that old Reagan because it was just, it happened and I've moved on. And I think, I mean, I've moved on in the best way possible, I guess, by like living my life 
to the fullest. So yeah, I, I normally, what I will say is I normally do not show my likes from pictures or anything along those lines, but that one I allowed to be shown because of how much support it was given. And so like for that to potentially be shown to someone else and them think, oh, she was open about it and people responded positively. Like now I can also open up to somebody and it'll be seen as a positive note. Like I'm asking for help. So that was long winded, no. but. No, it's not. It, it's, it's when I saw it, I just, how brave and, and uh, you know, courageous, you know, it is to, to put yourself out there like that. And I mean, you're constantly posting, you know, you have, I mean, first of all, your, your hockey skills are amazing. And if anybody hasn't had a chance to check out your social media, please do. Uh, you are incredible. When, when you're putting out that much content, how do you manage your mental health? How do you manage when you're sharing that much about your personal life and what you're doing and your travels and th th what kind of impact th does that have on your mental health? I think for me, I just try to be as authentic as possible. And so if I'm not feeling good, I normally don't post. And if I am feeling good, you'll see me posting a lot more. And so I'm just real with myself in terms of, I know that I've had spurts of like when I first started social media, I was posting very consistently because I wanted to like grow my following and I wanted to help people. And then whenever I went into like a little bit of like depressive episodes, I just didn't post. So like there was a period of time where I didn't post for six months because I was like, I have no thoughts up here. I have no creativity. And I think just being like generous to myself and feeling my feelings and not like knowing that social media is an end game for me. Like if, if I'm not posting, it doesn't mean I don't have any worth other than like I'm a human being first and foremost. And so I like to take care of myself as much as possible. All right. Let's revisit your life when you're having these suicidal thoughts. Where were you in your career personally? And why do you think you were going through that at that time? At that point, I was retired as of like six months. So basically similar to this year. And I was working a job in California that I wasn't necessarily being pushed in. I didn't really necessarily have the resources that I needed in order to make it the best job. And I didn't feel as appreciated. So I, would, I didn't feel appreciated in a lot of aspects of life. And my, my relationship at the time was taking a hit as well, just because like the mental toll that was going on up there. And I just got back from women's worlds and had seen kind of a little bit of the discrepancies between the men's worlds and the women's worlds and how much funds were put into it and everything along those lines. So it was so much in the grand scheme of things, I was playing into it. So that's what I will say. It wasn't just one singular thing, but my mindset was I got back, had some sort of fight with my significant other. And then I was just like, what is the point of life at this point? So that's, that's where it started. I guess that's where I was kind of ending, but. I mean, I guess that's the, the big question for a lot of athletes, amateur, professional, there, there's always going to come that point when you say goodbye to the game. And that hits everyone differently. Some, you know, some athletes are ready to move on. Others, it's, it's really hard. Did, how hard was it for you to say goodbye to the game as a player? The first three times it was really hard. Um, this last time around, it's been a little bit easier. But what I will say is my identity as an athlete really took a toll on me once I was no longer an athlete. And being able to find things outside of your sport that 
give you like this burning passion inside of you, I think is very important. And also just like realizing how much more you of a person you are than just the athlete. So for me, it was just finding hobbies. Like I love to travel. I love making videos. I love getting coffee with people. All those things kind of play into it. But yeah, it's, it's not an easy task whatsoever. I think almost every single athlete goes through it as well. So when you were a senior at BU, you won the John B. Simpson Award. Uh, that's given out to the senior that demonstrates enthusiasm and leadership. You're a captain of that team. Let me ask you, back then, did you know that coaching was going to be in your future? Not at all. Was not on the radar. I was actually, I already had a job as a allocation analyst at TJX Companies. So I was like, yeah, I'm going the corporate route, like corporate girly. And then I wasn't really planning on playing at that point in time because I had fractured my back and everything. So I was just planning on moving on from hockey. And then I ended up backpacking right after that. But coaching was never on the radar other than like doing some skill sessions or working with AAA teams. So this is, uh, I could not have predicted this one, to be honest with you. That's great. Listen, I, just your, from the first time I met you, I mean, your energy, obviously you're, you've got the experience as a player, uh, you know, this positive outlook on life. Uh, you know, I, I, it just seems like a home run uh, for you to, you know, step into the coaching ranks. And, you know, I'm curious to know, so obviously, you know, the game of hockey, you, you, you play it your whole life at high levels. How do you mix in that mental health component as a coach, especially at the collegiate level, knowing what, time management is so important and um you know just just maintaining that mental health how do you get that across to the student athletes now we actually have a lot of check-ins with our girls almost weekly at least with each and every one of them we try to do our best to fit them all in if not every week it's every other week and I think for us as a coaching staff I have been telling the girls to I was like you guys might have the most understanding and compassionate coaching staff out there like we have all we've been through the ringer as players as coaches as like just athletes in general so we've all come from um, minus the head coach we've come from backgrounds of hockey that aren't as common so the other assistant coach Myers she was she's from Vegas I'm from Mississippi our operations is um she's from North Carolina so like Background's not normally in hockey. And so we've we've dealt with a lot of stuff throughout our journeys. And I think for us, we try to be open with the girls. Like, we want you to come talk to us. If there's a lot going on in your life, like, we want to know. Because that way we can either help you or we also have this thing called no questions asked days. So if you're really going through the ringer and, like, you have a lot going on in your personal life, social life, hockey, whatever, you can come to the coach and say, I would really like to take my no questions asked day today. And that's it. No questions asked, unless you want, unless they want to talk. Right. Now it's those open door policies are, uh, you know, cause you, it feels like probably five minutes ago, you were in the same skates as them, right? The same shoes as them and, and going through what it's like being a, a student athlete, especially at a great school like Boston University. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned growing up in Mississippi. How'd you get into hockey? Super random, but my mom told my aunt about the Memphis River Kings, who were a part of the CHL at the time, and she started going to those games, and we used to hang out with her every single weekend, so she started taking us on Fridays, and then I think the year after we started watching them, which was when I was five years old, we started. they started a new rec league, so they told my sister and I to join that there was going to be so many kids and so many girls, and it just turned out to be 
us two and one other girl and then 30 boys, but we stuck with it, traveled all over the world, all over the country. You name it, we've probably been there playing hockey. So growing up, I'm assuming you played on a lot of the boys' teams. What was that like um, mentally? What was that, you know, going into the locker room every day and, and trying to be a part of the team? Um, but there's this obvious you know, thing that differentiates yourself from the, the rest of the team. What was that like mentally? How did you get over that? And what advice might you have for young girls going through that same process right now? Playing with the boys, I mean, I just grew up a tomboy anyways, so I always felt like I was one of the boys, <laughs> and I was super competitive, so I never wanted to lose to them, and they liked me for that reason because I would push them as much as they pushed me, and so for the most part, playing with them was great. I've only had like a few instances where playing against other boys' teams that I actually had an issue with them, either them like headhunting me because I was better or them saying not so nice things, um, and I'd say like my advice is just keep showing up and being yourself because whether they like you or not, doesn't matter. The, the odds of you making it farther of them are very high. And so that was kind of like my main thing is like, I know that I can make it farther than you. And so, you know what, in spite of you, I'm going to do this. <laughs> but I also think just like talking to your family, if like you ever have an issue with guys on the other team or guys, even on your actual team, like speaking up to higher authorities or your coaches or something along those lines, it's really important that you don't keep that in because that should not be happening in hockey anymore. Like it should be a very open space for everyone to be involved. How have you seen the focus on mental health in sports shift? I remember when I was growing up playing, it was, it was a different you know, game back then where, you know, you get hurt, rub some dirt on it and, and keep going. Um, if you exposed any sort of, um, you know, mental, you know, weakness, you know, it would almost hurt you if you ever kind of admitted that stuff. But what's great to see, I think, in my opinion, it has changed. The conversation has changed quite a bit. Um, how far have you seen it change and, and where would you like to see it uh, continue to grow? I think I've seen it change a lot since I was 14 years old, first struggling with mental health, depression and anxiety. I've seen it basically not be talked about to being one of the first things that athletes talk about. And I think it's, I don't want to say it's cool to see it now, but the fact that NHLers or like pro tennis players or anything along those lines, those type of players being able to be like, the, my mental health is not good. I need to take a step back from sports because if I'm not right in my actual mental health, I'm not going to be right on the ice. And it, it just affects everybody. So I think it's really cool that people can be more open about it. There's more resources. Obviously, the system for therapy and everything is a little bit overwhelmed at this point in time. But I think the more that we can be open with each other and like have those genuine connections and be able to talk about what's going on in our lives, not on a surface level, it can change a lot just in terms of like day-to-day -day being able to manage. And I think athletes now know that they are the forefront for talking about mental health because we have the biggest spotlight on us. So it's, it's been very cool to see the vulnerability that these athletes have had. So you mentioned earlier about that disparity when you were at the world championships between men's and women's sports when it comes to funding, support, how does that affect a female athlete when they when they see that going on? Uh, they're putting in the same amount of time when it comes to training. 
and you know the the overall passion of the game is 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 just as you know uh, you know important as as the men's what what goes through your mind um you know what what when you see those disparities i think the biggest thing is the fact that a lot of those people that discredit female athletes for not being as fast or as good or as, as strong. They've never lived a day in our shoes. They don't know what it's like to not only balance having kids, some will come back to play after having their kids. We balance having jobs. We put the food on the table, like legitimately cook the food. We go work out. We go practice. Our day of 24 hours is actually like 28 hours. And so a lot of the men that play professionally, most of them like at the higher levels, get to just play hockey and just focus on their health and just have like all the best resources. And so I think it was very disheartening for me to go from having one of the greatest experience with men's worlds to going to women's worlds and seeing that some of the rights weren't being picked up from different countries, that the, the facilities were so far outside of a city that it was extremely difficult to get to unless you already lived in that country. So like, for example, Tampere, Finland, like I think second biggest city after Helsinki. And so the men's worlds was split up between those two cities there. And then you have in Denmark where the closest rink was three hours North of Copenhagen and already getting to Copenhagen is tough in itself. And I love that. It's like going to new areas and like being able to test different markets. But I think the facilities could have been better in terms of like the locker rooms. I know like some of the men's locker rooms are, built up during and like nobody complains about it but some of these girls were like in locker rooms that didn't have any lighting like not good lighting and no that's like a small complaint but they were just smaller lower to ground like somewhat in the basement and I think a lot of them were disappointed by that aspect and even at um, the U18s a few years back they gave them a, it looked like a ring doorbell camera to film and for those U18 players to like miss all of their high school dances, to miss all of like the football games, all that stuff, like being of just a regular student to go and experience obviously a very awesome experience, but for their family, not even be able to watch how, what is that showing those girls? Like, what are they working towards if that's the case? And like a lot of my friends were on team Canada, on team USA, and they're like, we thought it was going to be a little bit better than this. And obviously they stepped up their game this year. Thank goodness. Cause it was in, in Canada, they had great facilities and everything along those lines, but it just kind of sucks whenever you can see both sides of it, not being as equal. What I like to close, uh, we, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier, but um, you know, I, I would like to close on what your advice do you have for someone who might be on that same road that you've been on from a mental stamp, mental health standpoint. The biggest thing is that you are not alone. And a lot of times it feels like you are alone, that there's no other option for you. But if you can find the people that feel like home, that can feel that can give you that love that you need and the support that you need and to know that there are resources for you, that's the biggest thing is just you sharing a story or you talking to someone, you asking for help may be the hardest thing that you ever do in your entire life. But it's one thing that you will not regret because you don't know what could happen a year from now or a week from now 
and you don't know the turn that your life could take. So just waking up and trying one more time is the biggest thing that I would say is, is something to look forward to. Well, Reagan, thank you so much for joining the show and sharing your story. We wish you all the best and good luck with the team this year. Of course. Thank you so much for having me.